You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Open your Bibles very quickly to the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 3. Hosea, chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 3. Let's rise up to for the reading of God's word in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living word of God himself, as is our good custom in all house on the rock churches. Hallelujah. Hosea 6, 1, 2, 3. I read in your hearing. It says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has stricken and he will bind us up. Thank you. And he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Amen. Okay, let me just give you a little bit here to let you know that when the scripture in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, says things like, he has torn and he will heal, he has stricken and he will bind us up, in New Testament understanding and light, it is not God that tore you, neither it is God that struck you. Are you with me? That is that Old Testament writer writing because the Old Testament does not have a clear concept of the devil. So everything comes from God, good, bad, and ugly. It all comes from God, okay? So it is not God that tore you, but he is the one that heals you. It's not the God that struck you, but he is the one that's going to bind you up. In this text, God's intent is clear. He wants to heal you. He wants to bind you up. He wants to revive you, and he wants to raise you up. Somebody shout amen. amen. However, prerequisite to the revival and the raising up is, come, let us return to the Lord. So the returning has to precede the reviving and the being raised up. Um, a lot of the time we are consumed by what we want. But this morning, I want us to consider what does God want? The simple subject of my meditation is God, what does God want? What God wants, rather. What God wants. Help me ask your neighbor, do you know what God wants? Do you know what God wants? Father, I yield my members, my mind, my tongue, my mouth, my vocal cords, all of me to you. Let me be your voice today. Speak through me. Let the people encounter you, not me, you, oh God. Cause them to see your heart. And by the revelation of what's in your heart, cause them to step into a new experience of true liberty. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. And the people said a loud amen. amen. As you take your seat, ask your neighbor once again, what does God want? Do you know what God wants? Do you know what God 
once. Hallelujah. Mark in chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, we read the story of when Jesus told his disciples, let us go over onto the other side. And they went into the ship with other ships going along with them to cross over to the other side. But in the course of the journey to the other side, a great storm arose and water started to come into their ship and they thought they were going to die. This was a terrible, terrible, scary, life-threatening storm that took place here. And in verse 38, we hear when the disciples run to Jesus, who was asleep in the hinder part of the boat. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I like the King James way, the way, the way King James says, King James says, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we're in trouble? Don't you care that we're about to sink? Don't you care that our lives are about to come to an end? Now, before you judge the disciples, uh, I want to ask, have you ever felt like this? Like maybe God doesn't really care about what you are going through. And I know maybe people don't want to be real with me this Sunday morning, but I've been here before. Where sometimes it feels like God is so far removed from your situation and your circumstance. All hell is breaking loose and it seems like God is not even paying any attention. Can I hear... Can does anybody understand, has any ever, anybody ever been in that kind of situations? That's where the disciples found themselves. They were doing everything in their power to stay afloat. These were not just any kind of fishermen. These were experienced fishermen, and they had encountered storms before. But this storm was so scary to them that they thought their lives were at an end. They were in a hard place. They were, they were throwing out water out of their boats, just bailing out the water. But the more water they bailed out, much more water kept on coming into the boat, into the ship, to the point where they became scared for their lives. Uh, they were in, uh, as they were in the midst of this predicament uh, on the instructions of Jesus, they wondered how could Jesus be sleeping in the hinder part of the boat because they didn't want to go to the other side. It was Jesus that said, let us go to the other side. I don't know whether I'm talking to anybody yet this Sunday morning. Have you ever felt like, hey, Jesus, you're the one that told me to do this and now I've done what you told me to do and all hell is breaking loose. You told me we're going to the other side. You should have told me there was going to be a storm between here and there. Uh, somebody shout amen. Uh, in the midst of trouble, it seems as if Jesus was nowhere to be found. And when they found Jesus, they found him asleep. Oh Lord, how can you be sleeping? I don't understand this gift of sleep that you have. In the midst of a raging storm, you are sleeping. Does anybody have that anointing for sleep in the house? You know, there's some of us that have that kind of anointing for sleep that no matter what is happening around us, we go on sleep. While there's some other people, typically mothers, that don't have that kind of anointing. It's almost like anything that moves, they are awake. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? Jesus was asleep and all hell 
was breaking loose in the midst of trouble. He was asleep. Oh, uh, yes. Can somebody be real this Sunday morning and admit that there are times when you have felt like it looks like Jesus is asleep. It looks like God is asleep. Uh, feeling isolated, alone, abandoned. Feeling like Jesus is asleep in the midst of your storm. And it can get so bad that you might even wonder whether he's even alive and well. Oh, yeah. But it was not that he was not there. It was that he needed to be called upon. I don't know whether anybody's hearing me what I'm saying. He needed to be called upon. Oh, my goodness. We're living in dark and stormy times indeed. Uh, right now, the days that we are living in, they're dark and they are stormy. Can I get a witness? We're living in challenging days right now. Our Christian faith is under attack like never before. We're talking about a more inclusive society, they say. Yet Christian, it's all inclusive of everything else except the Christian faith. The Christian faith is the enemy today. Dark times. Uh, darkness covers the land and gross darkness the people. Uh, all, I mean, we are in an age of doctrines of devils. We're in an age where all sorts of crazy things are happening. Where man has become God to himself. Where man would almost seem to say... There is no God. And, and as we look at all that is going on around us, sometimes we want to ask the question, where is God in all of this? While we are being torn, where was God? While we were being stricken, where was he? Uh, well, I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning that he was and he is where he has always been. Our Father who art in heaven, Heaven. Uh, he has not abdicated the throne. Uh, he is seated on his throne in heaven, even though all hell seems to be breaking loose in your world. Uh, so you start to wonder why does his intervention seem so far in coming? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Uh, God has not stopped loving the world, but yet the world is in such turmoil and confusion. Oh yes. How can this God be a God of love who loves the world so much and yet there is so much darkness and evil in the world? This is an existential question, and it is something that challenges many of us when we look at the state of the world, when we look at the atrocities and the evils and everything that goes on in the world. We wonder that, uh, but the God of the Bible is he's a God of love, who cares, who wants the best for us, so how can all this be? Well, I'll tell you why. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness, and let them have what? Dominion. Take out the words in between, and what you have there is that God said, let us let them. Help me tell your neighbor, let us let them. Let us let them. The state of the world is not because of God. It is because of man. 
Because when God said, let us let man, he gave the authority and the responsibility for the earth to man. And therefore, the state of the earth, whoo, hallelujah, is, is, the, is how man has managed what God has given. Oh, yes. Maybe you've had the blessing or the opportunity or the fortune of buying a brand new car. And you went to the store and you went to buy a brand new car or it was delivered to you. Hallelujah. Uh, and then uh, you, you loved it so much uh, and you drove it around and you took care of it uh, for a little while. Uh, then you started to get a little bit lackadaisical about it. Um, and then uh, you, you, you would eat in the car. You leave wraps of food inside your car. Uh, you wouldn't wash it. You wouldn't clean it. Uh, you'd allow anything to happen in the car. Uh, yeah, you, you, you bumped it here and bumped it there. Uh, yeah. And then finally one day came uh, and everybody came to look at your car that you bought a few months, a few weeks, a few years ago and they're wondering at the sight of it. At that point in time, you can't blame the manufacturer for the state of your car, can you? No, 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 no. The, the, the state of your car is a result of how you have managed what was given to you. This is a human analogy to the, to the earth, that God gave us the earth. The state of the earth is no longer God's responsibility directly. It is now the responsibility of man and what man is doing with the earth. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? By creating man and giving him the right to choose, God effectively delegated authority, and with authority comes responsibility. Hallelujah. Some people want authority, but they don't want responsibility. But the two are intricately woven together. You cannot have authority without responsibility. And once you are given a responsibility, there's a measure of authority that goes along with it. They are so tied together. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've placed before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And just in case you don't know what to choose, choose life. Hallelujah. Do you hear me what I'm saying? So, so God creates this earth that has all these options and opportunities and you could go up or you could go down and he knows that you now have the power of choice and he doesn't want to interfere with your choice. So he therefore says that, okay, you can choose, but let me, let me, this is an open book exam. I'm even going to tell you the answer before you sit the exam. Choose life. Choose life. But unfortunately, man often does not choose what God says that he should choose. The evil in the world and the state of the earth is not because of God, but because of man's disobedience. But God's heart is broken. God is alive and well and still eager to intervene in the affairs of man. But... Second Chronicles in chapter uh, 16, verse 9a, he says there, For the eyes of the Lord run to and throw thro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. So God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. But, somebody say but. You see, he delegated the authority and responsibility for this earth, this world, to man. So, in the terms of the lease on earth, even he, almighty God, cannot intervene without an invitation. 
I don't know whether you know your rights as a tenant if you are renting. But your rights as a tenant if you are renting, the landlord cannot come to your house uninvited. Even though the house is still his. But because a tenancy agreement has been signed and you are the legal tenant and you are within the terms of your tenancy, the landlord cannot visit uninvited. He's meant to call you and ask for your availability as to when he can come and visit. Or he can tell you, oh, I want to come on this day. Is that all right? Now, a lot of people didn't know. So they thought that he's just being polite. Oh, of course it's all right. But you realize that the tenant could actually say, no, I'm not in on that day. This is the day I'm in. And the landlord, even if he's annoyed in himself, my house, my house, you are telling me when I can come to my No, 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 no. While the tenant is within his tenancy, he has the right. In fact, if he appears at your door and knocks at your door and you open the door to greet him and he says, I want to come in, you are still within your rights as the tenant to say, sorry, you can't come in. When my tenancy is over, you can come. But until my tenancy is over, I'm within my rights. Hallelujah. I give you that illustration to let you know that it is very similar with God and the earth. He has given us tenancy of the earth. Ooh. Hallelujah. And even though he's still the landlord, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Hallelujah. He cannot come in without a tenant inviting him. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to get you to see is that it is not a lack of desire on God's side to intervene. It's not a lack of love on God's side to come in and sort things out. But by the law, spiritually speaking, he cannot come unless he is what? Invited. So he's waiting on an invitation. He's waiting on an invitation. He's waiting. He's looking for who go invite me. I've got what it takes. I can intervene. I can sort this thing out. It's hurting me. Uh, but, but, but who's going to invite me to come in? And this is what prayer is. Prayer is an invitation. A, 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 a prayer is an invitation for divine intervention. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 um, Dr. Miles Moreau of, of Blessed Memory says that prayer is legal license for divine interference. And this is why Satan will fight your prayer life because your prayer life is actually the legal premise for God to come into your situation and circumstance. He's waiting on an invitation. So a lot of the time we say we are waiting on God. And it's actually the reverse. God is waiting on us. He's waiting on an invitation. Who's going to invite me? Her God is an unchanging God. We are the ones that are changing. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, it says, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ooh, Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God does not change. We are the ones that change. We are the ones that are fair weathered. He is steadfast. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, 
he is still very willing and able to do now. Did you hear me what I said? Uh, and so, if I can get evidence that he has done it before, I can be confident that he will do it again. Oh, yeah, because he's unchanging. Oh, my goodness. That means that if he healed then, he can heal now. It means that if he delivered then, it means that he can deliver now. My God is an unchanging God. It means that if he lifted up then, he can lift up now. It means that if he opened the door then, he can open the door now. This is the power of the testimony. Because when I hear the testimony of what God did in your life, I don't get jealous. I just know that if he did it then, he can do it now. And I came to announce to somebody this Sunday morning that that same unchanging God is gathered here with us where two or three are gathered. And what he did then, he's able to do now. Oh, you didn't hear me what I'm saying. That means all those miracles we read about in the Bible, and we heard our fathers talk about in days gone by. It's still very available, even in the here and now. And that's what God wants. God wants a revival of his works in the land once again. Do I have any hungry and thirsty people under the sound of my voice that can remember that God did it then? If he did it then, that means he can and he will do it now. Somebody give God the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why you, you shouldn't hide your testimony because your testimony, when you, don't, when you hide your testimony, you are, with, you, are, you are denying somebody evidence to bolster their own faith for God's intervention in their own situation and their circumstance. I came to tell somebody God will do it again. Hallelujah. God will do it again. Uh, uh, look, I know somebody told you that the days of miracle signs and wonders are over. It died with the apostolic age. That devil is a liar because God is an unchanging God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, he's still a healing God. He's still a lifting God. He's still a delivering God. He's still the way maker, the water walker. He's still the lifter up of the head. If you believe me, come and give God the praise in this house. Hallelujah. He, God is not asleep. He, God is not dead. I know the situations, the circumstances in the world are so dear and distressing. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean that God is dead. God is waiting on an invita invitation. God is not disinterested in our lives and in our world. He's alive and well, and he's only looking for access. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a voice uh, of God. God is speaking through me to you, and he wants you to, to let you know that I'm still alive and well, and I am still moving. I'm still performing miracles. I'm still at work. I'm just looking for someone to agree with me. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone to give me access. Ezekiel and chapter 22 and verse 30 says, and I sought for a man amongst them that would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. 
woman. God was looking for a man to stand in the gap, but he found none. But God found a man later on to stand in the gap, the eternal gap between man and God. The man Jesus Christ, he stood in the gap for us. He bridged the gap so that the punishment that we deserved, he took on himself that we might walk free and so that we now can also stand on the finished work and again give God access to our world. Can I talk to somebody? Maybe the reason God planted you in your family is because you are meant to be his access point. To your families. Anybody hear me what I'm saying? Maybe the reason God placed you uh, in the palace, placed you in your place of work, placed you in your arena was because he was looking for a sleeper agent. Woo! Esther, he was looking for an access point through which he could come and he's simply waiting on your invitation. In Ezekiel, the travesty was that no man was found and therefore the evil coming could not be averted. But even now, somebody say even now, even now God is looking for men and women that will be willing to stand in the gap, in the place of prayer. Help me ask your neighbor, will he find you? Will he find you? Are you the man that God is looking for? Will you allow God to use you? Will you allow God to work in and through you? And so this brings me close to the conclusion where I start to consider what God wants. Because a lot of the time we are so consumed about what we want. Uh, in fact, the truth be told, a lot of us come to church only because of what we want. And we are hopeful that somehow church will deliver to us whatever it is that we want. Uh, yeah. But today I changed the script a little bit and I'm asking God, what do you want? And God starts to say to me, I want uh, to tabernacle with men. I want to, uh, I want to move in the midst of them like never before. Oh, Lord, he said in the book of Genesis that he would often come in the evening to commune with Adam and Eve. He wanted that communion. I want to show up and show off. I want to blow your mind. I want to drench you in former and latter rain revival. I want to revive my works in the midst of you and show you great and mighty things which hitherto you did not know. This is what God wants. God wants to revive you and God wants to raise you up in your arena, in your field, in your space. This and more God wants. But there is a prerequisite to what God wants, which we read in our text, the prerequisite was come and let us return to the Lord. Hallelujah. Whew. There has to be a returning. If there's going to be a reviving and a raising up, there has to be a returning. Isaiah 30, 15 says that for thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. In returning and rest is your salvation and your strength. There has to be a returning. Returning what? Returning to the Lord. Returning to the Lord. 
Returning to, I gave you four things a few weeks ago that you have to return to. You have to return to the priority of the kingdom of God. You have to return to the place of prayer. You have to return to the place of loving and be elated at the word of God. You have to return to the place of worship. These are four practical evidences of I'm returning to the Lord. I return to the priority of his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. I return to the, to the place of prayer as we have seen. Prayer is legal license for divine intervention. I have to return to the place of delighting in the word of God. For in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. Nothing does he do without his word. He sent his word and he healed us and delivered us from all of our uh, sicknesses. And, and diseases. Does anybody hear me? We have to return to the place of worship. These things need to become priority. It is only upon a returning that there will be a reviving and a raising up. There is a spiritual clarion call even today. Return. To, to revive and arise, you must return. Listen, there is no revival without repentance. Check every revival across church history. It has never been without, first of all, a repentance. And repentance is returning. Oh, yeah, you didn't hear me what I'm saying. Repentance is returning. Now, true repentance is turning around. Uh, repentance is not what we often uh, make it out to be. Sometimes we mistake sorrow and regret as true repentance. No. They're not true repentance. True repentance is a turning around, but more than that, because you could be sorrowful and still not turn around. You could be sorrowful and still continue doing what you were doing before, behaving the way you used to behave. Nothing has changed. You're just sad. In fact, sometimes you have to be able to discern between whether this is a sorrow for what I did or a sorrow for being caught. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ouch. If you weren't caught, would you be sad? Is it because you are caught now that you are sad? You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. True repentance is returning. In fact, the word repent is the combination of two words, re and pent. Where the re is for returning and the pent is for the top. The pent house. That's what pent means, the top. So repent is to return to the top. To repent is to return to God. God is on top. To return to God's will and God's way to return to the finished work. To return. <sighs> so when I repent, I don't just feel sad about what I did wrong or what's wrong in my life. When I truly repent, I remember who I really am. I'm a prince of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I remember, I remind myself of my new creation realities. Religion has made us feel that repentance is only, you just be, be sober and sad and crying for a number of days until you feel an emotional release, you have repented. No, I just had that sorrow for a number of days. That's not repentance. Repentance is, is a turning around. It's a, it's a 180 degree turnaround. It's a, and it's even more than that, it is a remembering who am I really? I'm not what I did. I'm who God said I am. 
I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm sanctified. I'm righteous. That's repentance. Remind, and you see, because when I remind myself that who I really am, I'm a prince of God, then all of a sudden, that thing that was appealing or pulling, that temptation that was pulling me, I said, all of a sudden, no, 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 no. I, I, princes don't do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Return to the divine intent and the original design. So to, this morning's message is simply a call to return. For there to be revival, for there to be a raising up, there has to be a returning. You have to return to the kingdom priority. You have to return to the place of prayer. You have to return to delighting in God's word. You have to return to the place of worship. It can't be a matter of convenience. Hello? It can't be a matter of convenience. It has to be a matter of discipline. A choice I have made. If you are a disciple, what is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined one who has committed to a particular way of life. Hallelujah. It's time to return. That's the voice of God. That's what God is saying. He said, I'm calling you home. Come back home. My thoughts and my intents for you are great. I need you to return. And when you return in the place of prayer, you give me the access to intervene in your space. Hallelujah. The doors are open. His heart is welcoming. Come. Let us return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. Tell your neighbor, come, let us return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. Come on, come on, come on, preach it to somebody else. Say, come, let us return. Come, let us return to the Lord. Hallelujah. We've tried without him. How's that working for you? We've tried without him. How's that working for you? It's not working. You took the reins to do it the way you felt best to do it. How's that working for you? It's not working. Because you weren't designed to do it by yourself. You are designed to do it with him, with his help. Hallelujah. He came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. You have to invite him to show you that abundant life. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory even this morning. And this morning we return. Let's, let's take some moment in the place of prayer and I want you to start talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I return. I want you to make some quality decision even in the midst of prayer right now and say, Lord, I'm returning 
unto you. The Holy Spirit is convicting you in one area or the other. Whatever the area it is that he's tapping on your heart and saying, son, daughter, I need you to return. I need you to return to the place of worship. I need you to return to the place of prayer. I need you to return to the place of studying my word. I need you to return to the place where my kingdom comes first and everything else comes afterwards. Lord, whatever, whatever area the Lord is prodding your heart, convicting your heart about this morning, I want you to quickly talk to him and say, Lord, help me, oh God, to return. I am returning today. I'm repenting. I am returning to the penthouse. I'm returning to the way you think and your perspective of, today, of things, oh God. I'm realigning myself once again with what your word says as regards me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There, in returning and rest shall be your salvation and your strength. It's time to return. I want you to determine in your heart right now and in the place of prayer. Say, Lord, I invite you back in to take charge, to lead, to direct as I return unto you. Oh God, thank you, Lord. I give you the glory. I give you the praise. I give you the honor as you help us. Even today, as, as individuals return, but also as a church, as a house, we return unto you. We return into the place of prayer, of, of the priority of your word, your kingdom, the place of worship, oh God. We return to the ancient landmarks in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. With every head bowed and all eyes closed. Every head bowed and all eyes closed. If you're out there today and you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ Jesus, whether you are online or in person in the hall, do not neglect, neglect so great a day of salvation, such a great opportunity where God has extended his hand through the death of his son, his burial, his resurrection, so that you would have access to what you were denied before. And all that he requires for you is the acceptance of that which has been done on your behalf. So whether you are online or in person, if you know you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Maybe you did, did in the past, but you strayed away, and you've been trying to do it on your own, but you're, you now realize that it's not working. You need him. Please repeat these words of prayer with me and after me. Hallelujah. As the congregation also supports us in these words of faith right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart and I have made this confession with my lips, with my mouth. Therefore, by faith, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer, whether online or in person, for the first time and sincerely believing in your heart, 
We want to help you to grow from being a child to becoming a mature son of God, understanding your rights and righteousness in Christ Jesus. Please reach out to us on any of our plat platforms, direct messages, send an email to us or follow the pathway on our website and we will help you to become everything that God wants you to be. It's very important that you are planted in a good church where you're able to be fed the word of God consistently and you continue to grow um, from level to level and from height to height. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.